Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Awakening Artist Podcast, where creative minds can come together and discuss a variety of topics relating to higher creativity, spirituality and healing, and entrepreneurship for artists. My name is Dana Wilcher. I am a visionary artist and creative guide, and this podcast is a space for you to find artistic inspiration, get to know yourself and heal on a deeper level, and to laugh, cry, and get creative. Join me every week for new episodes. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, everyone. We have a really fun episode today, and that is how to realistically depict your visions through artwork. So today we're going to talk all about um, how we receive inspirations in the form of visions for artwork and how you guys can take those steps, break it down with whatever medium you're uh, choosing to work with to recreate and depict your visions, your dreamscape visions, all of those fun things realistically. So let's dive in. So when it comes to this topic, the first question that I get asked a lot about my artwork is where do the visions for the paintings come from? And wondering if I see them um, really like realistically in my head or more symbolically and then how I go about that process of translating them from a concept into Um, a realistic portrayal through a painting. So in sharing this, I hope to maybe start um, uh, lighting up some connections for you guys of how your own visionary channel or visionary process works and how you can start refining that and attuning yourself to it in order to bring these powerful visions in the way of your artwork uh, through in a really powerful way. So for me, um, when when it comes to painting visions, usually it's a theme or a concept somehow related to my healing journey that I've been working with for a minute. Um, This can range in a matter of weeks to a matter of many years. And so usually it's something I've been kind of working with, processing, working out in plant medicine ceremonies and therapy which I don't really, you know, I'm not shy about the fact that many of the um, aha moments and the concrete visions for my paintings have come through in ayahuasca ceremonies, but it's not necessary either. Um, For a lot of people, this, their visions may come online at random points during the day, during dreams. That's another time for me when I'm really active And so when I'm in these spaces, whether it's um, a dream space, it's just something that I'm piecing together within myself, or it's a ceremony, usually it's some kind of um, concept that has been inspired by something I've been working with or going through. And then from there, this is where it can vary. So usually when I have these kinds of um, processes and concepts, they're forming sort of abstractly behind the scenes, different pieces coming together. Maybe I'll start to um, get a like symbolic ideation starting to form in my head that I know is going to be related to a painting, but it's not totally clear. And other times it's like I've done enough chewing on it in my process that it'll just kind of strike me in like a bolt of lightning almost and I see the painting. 
But regardless, generally there comes a point whether I've just been piecing it together enough symbolically or it's kind of like a lightning strike moment or maybe it's something really clear in a dream where I see, I see the painting as though it's already finished and I see it in my mind's eye. And for me, that, that image basically gets like burned into my memory until I paint it. And sometimes they will come back and they will start bugging me until I paint them, which is helpful, if not sometimes a little abrasive. <laughs> but um, so that is the first, uh, the first process that I drop into when it comes to accessing visions. And so another really beautiful study that I've been very interested in for years now um, is the aspect or the understanding of the visionary planes. And so this is something that my favorite artist, Alex Gray, talks about a lot in his work. And for him, he has accessed those planes um, through plant medicine, through DMT and psychedelics and things of that nature. Um, but really those realms are available to us at all times, through meditation, through the dream space. Um, I, I know for myself, I, I really love exploring those realms within, you know, ceremonies, ayahuasca ceremonies and things. But, you know, for those of you who that's not really your path or your thing, it's just something to be aware of that there are other realms and people who are into these kinds of ways, you know, it, it, there are other realms that we can start to open up our psyche and our consciousness to and explore. And really how that explorative process begins is just by intention, is just by like before you go to sleep saying a prayer and saying, you know, I uh, guides and angels help me to open up my consciousness to explore the visionary planes to maybe see a new uh, inspiration or a new vision in a way I've never seen it before. Or you could set that meditate or that intention during meditation or just at the beginning of your day and see like when you're just flowing, taking a shower, driving down the street, like what new images strike you. And so calling on, calling on that information, calling on the visions, um, exploring those aspects of your psyche, you know, that's, that's where it begins. Like, if you are an artist, you you make things physically, okay, or you're you're a graphic artist, which is, you know, you're still putting it into some kind of concrete representation. But all of the emotion, the concept, the ideas, the the imagery and the visions, they start within you. So opening up that work within yourself of uh, calling in and um, seeing yourself as diving into this exploration of your own visionary realms, you'll be really surprised what kind of information you can access, what you can see, and what you can feel in those kinds of spaces. And so maybe you are a person where you have a lot of creative ideas and imagination. And I also just want to say that imagination and having a vision is really the same thing. You know, as kids, we had visions all the time, but we called it imagination. And now as adults, we oftentimes we lose uh, we lose connection with our imagination and it it like remains in this kind of untouched realm of our youth. 
and we don't really access it a lot. Like, can you guys think back when you were a kid to um, visions and experiences you had that felt so natural and real to you of uh, maybe you didn't have this experience, but if you did, you know, of seeing angels, fairies, um, like uh, invisible friends, <laughs> as we like to call them as adults to try to understand it. Um, you know, I, I really believe that as children, we are so open and, so open and psychic and tapped in that we can see into those visionary realms and we can see beyond the veils and we're, we're accessing those visions. But then it, for a lot of us, it starts to get shut down. So in order to open up your visionary channel, it's, it's really about accepting your imagination and just trusting it. You know, if you're in a meditation and you see or you feel something either very literally or symbolically and you're questioning it and you're like, did I really see that? Is that really a thing? Could I like really paint that or draw that? Or I don't know, like trust it. If it's, if it felt real to you, then let it be real. If it's beautiful and you want to, you want to um, trust it and believe it, let it be real. So whether this is something that you are exploring, like me, ongoing, or maybe you have a vision in your mind's eye of something that you would like to create, whether that's a symbolic concept or it's a dream space, something like that. Now, let's talk about how we break down that process of taking that really high frequency cosmic visionary information and actually making it a concrete, real and realistic physical object. Okay, and this is going to apply in the same way if you are a graphic designer, if you are a ceramist. Um, when I say a physical object, I don't necessarily, maybe a better word would be like a tangible form. Okay, so as you guys know, I am a visual artist. I do paintings, um, so that is my frame for this process. However, it is absolutely applicable to other art forms um, related to the realm of, you know, some kind of craft, making, painting, drawing, sculpting, etc. So I'll just... To make it easy, I'll detail how the process works for me of taking an abstract vision and turning it into um, a tangible form, and then we'll break it down a little bit farther as to how you guys can apply it. All right, so once I get a vision and it strikes me or I put it together and I see it and I feel it and I know that's what I want to create, then I go through the very first sweet little baby process of bringing it into tangible form which is I get my sketchbook, like my physical sketchbook. And and funny fact about me, you guys, I'm really not the best like sketcher, drawer. I don't do it a lot. I'm very like um, logical minded when it comes to my sketching. I'm not really free flowing and like have my sketchbook with me everywhere. Like, you know, some famous artists and things like I, I'm not really like that. I use it for very, I use it as necessary because I my love is for painting. So I'll get my sketchbook and I'll just draw even like, um, I'll, I'll do like one starter kind of thumbnail sketch and pencil of the vision. And I don't try to worry about making things proportionally accurate or perfect or any of that. As long as I can see what it's supposed to be, that's all that matters. And so then I actually go in so I don't need to worry about 
getting all these details and wasting my time and making it perfect to understand what I'm doing or what I'm trying to accomplish. I'll get like a red pen and then I'll just label it. I'll label like, okay, woman sitting in lotus, um, you know, a moon above her head, et cetera, et cetera. So then I can start to just get a feeling for how it's going to um, start to anchor in into the physical. So beyond that, once I have like that first image, then maybe I'll go through and if I'm unsure of a couple of things, I'll play around with a, a couple more quick sketches. Like maybe I'll divide the paper into, a, into quarters and then I'll do like four more little thumbnail sketches. And these, I don't do color. I don't spend a lot of time with them. I do them rather quickly. So then, now that I have figured out what kind of layout and composition I want to accomplish for this piece, then my, so this is my process. This is something you guys can skip. You can integrate it within your own practice. Um, but this is something I developed that has really saved me a lot of time that I really love. So as you guys know, I am a um, 3D artist. I I do painting and drawing. I don't really do digital artwork. Like I don't do digital art professionally. However, I use it within my practice. So I have an iPad and like a drawing pen and I'll go into Procreate on my uh, on my iPad and then I'll do a little bit more detailed of a sketch of the piece. Um, and then I'll, I'll go in and, and put some like general blocks of color into it just so I can get a better understanding of it. Okay, so then once I have that ideated concept all mapped out and I know like, okay, I have an idea for this, then, then I get to start really making it concrete. So then I think about what size does this painting want to be? Um, I go to the art store, I get a big canvas, and then I prep the canvas. So I sand it, I tape up the edges so they remain white, um, and then uh, I do an underpainting layer on the surface so I get like um, a burnt umber paint, uh, an acrylic paint, I might add. I work in oils mostly, but um, uh, yeah, I'll get like a burnt umber acrylic, which if you are a painter, this might save you loads of time if you're like mostly an oil painter. I actually, so the concept of fat over lean means if you're an oil painter, you can paint oil over acrylic, but you cannot paint acrylic over oil. And so you can use that to your advantage by laying down um, like all of your, like I'll do like a dark galaxy scene and all of these really dark aspects of like the farthest away dimension in my painting. I'll do it in acrylic to for it to dry faster and to save some time. And then I'll paint over that in oil. But I just wanted to throw that out there for my painters, whoop, whoop. but um, for anyone else listening that, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> integrate it or disregard it, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, so once I get my painting toned and I tone the canvas by laying down um, and it's, I don't do like a thick opaque layer. I just kind of scribble the, I like squeeze the paint directly on the canvas and then I get a sponge and a little water and I just smear it around. So I get like one general value down. Um, because if you are a 3D artist and you're doing drawings or paintings, unless you want a white background, I really always recommend um, creating on a tone surface that is um, somewhere directly in between a the 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 darkest dark and the lightest light of your value ladder, somewhere right in the middle. 
So then you can push up the value and you can push down the value. You're not just constantly trying to drag it down from white. That can get really confusing. So once I have everything toned and I have the canvas ready, then it's about gathering my reference material and um, getting my reference images and poses. So I'm not the kind of artist where I can draw people anatomically accurate and and perfect without references and a uh the bones of the sketch okay and I used to have a lot of like um I don't know like I put a lot of pressure on myself of like if I'm a visionary artist I need to just be able to like see it in my head and then accurately create it just from memory I've never been that way I've always been more about observation and I've really come to enjoy it as a part of my process because then I can um, I can do the painting justice. I can do what it needs rather than what my ego thinks it should be doing. And so with that being said, then a lot of my pieces involve one primary figure, like a woman, a goddess, or I've painted men before, like one figure and then other things happening around that figure. And so whether it's me, like I am my own best model because my body is the most accessible to me. So I'll set up a tripod, I'll put some underwear on, <laughs> and then I will click the video button and I will video myself holding different poses. And if I get one that works, I'll screenshot it, maybe edit the color of it, and then work with it. Um... Or if I have a friend or a model in mind who I think would really fit the project, then I ask them, I do the same thing, have them um, stripped down to the bare minimum, <laughs> and then I take a picture of them holding the pose in good lighting. And so now that I have this image, now I get to translate that onto the canvas. And I'm gonna give you guys a big secret inside look into my process here. Okay, and it's um, a controversial process that some artists, they feel weird about and some artists like me love it. Okay, so in order to accurately um, present the, the right proportions of the body of uh, like what I'm wanting to uh, create and to actually see how it's going to look on the canvas before I start doing all the proportions and everything, the quickest, easiest, and most direct and effective way I found to do that is by using a projector. And so a projector is you're able to upload your image onto it. You go in a dark room, you elevate the surface and line it up, uh, the projector with your surface, you line it up, and then you turn it on and it kind of like a, a movie, it like projects it onto the canvas. And then you can tweak it, you can move it around, you can make it bigger, you can make it smaller, like and really get it where you want it. And then I will just do the outline of the sketch. This has saved me loads of time because, you know, being classically and traditionally trained, I, I'm able to draw appropriately and like draw proportions and things like that, but I don't really love it. And it just would take me twice, three times as long. And so I use a projector and it's, uh, I love that process. And, um, you know, I think back to my studies of the older Renaissance artists, um, they would use what's called a camera obscura. So we think about um, like Raphael, um, even Michelangelo in some pieces, 
some of the great masters and a lot of them actually um, would use a camera obscura and so that's the it's basically a projector but it's a way that they were able to um, get that effect using a camera glass and light reflection where they would be able to um, project their image onto the canvas and that's how a lot of the old masters got their the bones of their sketch um, and so it's been a widely used technique for a long time. And it's something you guys like, don't feel weird about it. Do it. Do it. If you are, if you want to accurately paint a vision, but you're not the best drawer, there's ways around that, boo. Like, don't let your ego get so in the way that you're like, no, I won't ever do that. And I just, I have to be, get spent two years getting really good at drawing before I can paint the visions. Well, if you love painting and you're better at that than drawing, then you know, use a projector, use a way to transfer or trace your image, like the bones of it, you know, you can speed it up for yourself. So once I have that sketch down, um, then the, the fun stuff continues of then I start looking for inspiration. So I go on Google and I look up like if I'm doing like for my last painting, this one I've been working on, um, I wanted to see what it would look like to have fire reflected in a pool of water. And so I'll look that up, you know, fire reflection in water, um, forest scene, like I had a forest fire in my in my piece. So forest fire, um, maybe golden goddess dresses to get some inspiration of how I want to depict it, uh, goddess headdresses. And so then I'm going through and I'm saving a bunch of images that are relevant to the vision that I can draw upon for inspiration and for assistance if I need help with shading, value, color mixing, like how to accurately depict this vision. Like, because I can't just draw from my memory and say I would know the exact color and movement of reflections of fire in a body of water. You know, but there are tools for that. Like I don't have to, I can get the general vision. That's my job. And then I have all these tools I can put together to create it accurately. Okay. So then I have like my iPad that I have on a stand that sits right up next to my painting that I open up and I use every time I paint. And then I have all of these images saved in a folder, maybe anywhere from 20 to 40 reference images, I call them which includes the image that I've, uh, I've gathered of my own body or of a friend posing for me, etc. So then once I have all of that ready, then it comes time to mix my paints. So if you guys haven't seen or like haven't gleaned yet, most of this process to recreate your visions accurately is preparation, like preparation and foundations. You know, I used to just want to try like, okay, I'm just going to get in the vibe and flow and not going to have any paints mixed or reference images done or a sketch done. And I'm just going to like make it a perfect realistic vision just because I'm magical like that. <laughs> okay. And I would get really frustrated because it wouldn't work out that way. And so I found the preparation is like 70% of the work. And then once you get through that, then actually painting the vision it's not, it's not as labor intensive as the preparation. So really take value and, and take, um, see the value in your foundations and your preparation and your process. It's, it might be the most important part as it is for me. 
So mixing my oil paints, I what I use so that I can maintain the longevity of my paint so I don't have to remix it every single day is I, I'm going to go through this process really quickly for you guys if you're painters. If not, maybe you can skip like 30 seconds ahead or something here because um, I'm telling you guys how to do a painting palette and preserve your your paints in the freezer where they can last up to like even a week or two so you don't have to keep mixing them because um, we all know paint mixing can take a very long time. So I will, I'll go, you can go to Home Depot or an, a, a store like that and you can have someone do like a 11 by 14 cut of glass for you. And then you can get even like a canvas panel board. That's what I use that is 11 by 14. You can buy that at a craft store. Then you paint that canvas panel board. You tone it a mid value, just like your underpainting layer. That is um, some value. Maybe it's gray, like a gray value in between lightest light and darkest dark. And then you lay the glass that fits perfectly over the board. And then you duct tape the sides and boom, you have a palette. And then from there, to preserve it, there are these things called, I'm not, I'm going to butcher the name of it, but you can look it up on Amazon, which is like paint palette uh, box, paint palette freezer box. Then you can put your paint palette at the end of your session in this box. It's, it see, it's like a little flat kind of um, square or rectangular box that can fit the, you can arrange it all so it fits the dimension of your palette. You click the lid shut and then you put it in the freezer. And this is if you're working with oil paints, but it can help to um, to keep acrylics as well. But this works really well with oils. And so I have my palette and then I go through and I arrange all of my colors. So I arrange them all the same way on the palette where I have like all of my browns on the bottom leading to black. I have my white and then all of my light colors and my yellows at the top. And then I have like all of my cool colors going down the palette on the left side and all the warm colors going down the palette on the right side. And then from there, I start, I get my palette knife, and I start mixing, and I start thinking like, you know, if I, um, oh, and I want to just rewind for a quick second, you guys, to go back to what we were speaking of laying down the background layers. So when you create a, a vision scape, a vision piece, you want to start with the farthest away layers first and then work your way forward. That's going to create a really effective um, d depth of dimension to your piece. And so for those farthest away layers, like say I'm having a woman standing on a hill with a galaxy behind her. I'm going to paint the galaxy first and to help speed up my time, especially if I'm working big, I'm going to use acrylic paint like a water soluble. And then I'm going to lay down all the background layers, even if I don't have all the perfect details and like do the energy, like paint the energy and all these things. And then we jump forward and now I am mixing my, my oil painting um, palette. Okay. Just wanted to throw that in there because that's a part of my process that's really important. So now that we, um, we have that, we have all of our colors mixed, then we open a creative channel, we get ready for a session, and I'm not going to speak about that here, so I don't want to make this episode too long. Um, it's already a lengthy episode, this one. But you can look at the other podcast episode here um, called uh, Opening a Creative Channel to learn how to do that. But it's basically opening a channel of energy where we're going to be... Um, heightening the the prayer and the intention for the work we're doing 
So I open the creative channel, I have all my paints mixed, and then I dive in and I start painting. And I only paint for maybe two hours max every single day. Well, five days a week, I take weekends off. And I just keep bringing it through. And I give it its time and I say prayers and I say gratitude every single time that I paint. And um, I meditate in front of the piece. I call in the visions before. And so that's that's the process of from A to Z, the steps that I go through to accurately depict my visions. And so this is something that you guys can apply in your practices. Um, Like I said, you don't have to be a perfect drawer in order to paint your visions accurately. You can get around that. You know, it's always great to learn new tools, to practice your drawing, and to take courses on painting if, like, your skill set isn't quite developed. But um, you'll get better. Like, keep going. Don't let it stop you from, from going for your visions. Like, you'll get better. You'll improve. And you'll learn a lot along the way. And, you know, the same concept applies for digital artists, graphic artists, like finding ways to have a really good concrete sketch down and having reference images to pull from. Same thing with ceramists or different types of craftsmen. It's all, it all kind of speaks the same language. So that is the process, you guys, of opening up the visionary channel um, bringing it into to tangible form and accurately depicting your visions. And this is a really important concept because it's, I know it's a big part of my purpose on this earth is to inspire people by helping them see realistic representations of intangible concepts, energies, and emotions. And if that is also a part of your path and very likely I'll have a lot of vision visionary artists hearing this then just know like you're not alone in that process and it's a really big mission you know to bring these higher concepts that only you can see down into physical form all right you guys thank you so much for tuning in today it was i had a lot of fun recording this episode for you guys and um If you are a visual artist and you would like to learn the tools to go full-time with your art practice, you can download my free full-time artist training in the link below. Uh, And also, um, you know, have the opportunity to work more directly with me. Um, Also, you can find that in the link below to schedule a uh, one-on-one session with me to talk about uh, the aspects of your art business, your visionary process, etc. Find me on Instagram at Dana Wiltshire, etc. 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 I've said it like three times. Anyway, hope you guys have a beautiful day and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Awakening Artist Podcast. I hope you got so much value from this episode. And if you enjoyed listening today and would like to hear more, be sure to subscribe for weekly episode releases. You can find me on Instagram at Dana Wilcher for more inspiration, art, and tips. And if you would like to ask me a question directly or join my inner circle where I share more wisdom, stories, and tips, shoot me an email at danawilcher 12 at gmail.com. Love and blessings. I will see you all soon.